0: So what do you do when you see someone in need? Um, you know, and what and what does that have to do with eternal life? Now, for most of you, you're probably like me. You've probably had some success stories, you know, sometimes where you saw somebody in need and you stepped in and you helped out. And if you're like me, you probably have some failures as well. Right? Where you saw a need and you didn't do anything. And so, like when you've stepped in to do something, like maybe you helped with uh, somebody on the side of the road, they needed help, you helped them. Maybe there was a family that you knew that was in need, you helped feed them or you helped clothe them. That's a good thing. You stepped in. But you're, you're, you're a human, right? You're a sinner just like me. So therefore, there's, there's stories in your life where you saw a need and you turned away from that need and you feel guilty about it. Okay, that happened to me just the other day, all right? Just the other day, I was driving my daughter home from basketball park on our street. It was like 9.30 at night there was a car on our street trying to get into their driveway and they had like one of those snow mounds, you know, from the from the truck, uh, from the plow, truck plow on the street. And so they couldn't get over it. They were trying, you can tell they're trying to go like reverse and forward, trying to get over the hump into their driveway. And so we drove past them. It was nine thirty at night and I'm like, oh man, like really, like I really don't want to get out and push a car. I want to get home. So I literally like, Do the ultimate non decision, right? I come past them and then I break like 15 feet past the car. And I'm like, I should really help them. And I say that out loud. And then I look down at my feet and I'm wearing my sandals, right? So that's not going to work. I'm like, oh, I I got my sandals on. I got to keep moving. This car continues to rock back and forth trying to get into their driveway. I drive down to our house, open the garage door. Like I'll probably just put my boots on and go back, but I get in the garage and like there's this there's this incredible barrier that happens once I pull into my garage. Like I'm in my garage now. Do I really need to go back and help that person? I look back. They're still rocking back and forth trying to get it. And your pastor sinned. He just I just I just look past. I'm like they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. I'm I'm gonna go inside and I hit the garage door button. You know how much guilt I felt touching that garage door, budding, watching the garage door go down, knowing that I didn't help somebody that I could have, right? Um, sometimes we fail when there's a need in front of us, and we didn't plan it, it didn't make the schedule, but it's there, and we can help somebody. And uh, that's where the parable of the Good Samaritan comes in, because we're finishing up these, these sermons on humility and servanthood, and the parable of the Good Samaritan is a well-known parable Many of you already known it, you, you've read it a hundred times, but it might be Jesus's most well-known story that he tells. So let's pick up the context of what's happening and let's look at verse 25. And it says, behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test. There we go. Put him to the test saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and soul and mind, and strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So who is this lawyer? This lawyer coming to Jesus. Well, you might think of a lawyer in American terms, and I want to tell you, don't think of a lawyer that way. All right, it's not like an American lawyer coming up to Christ. A lawyer in Jesus' day was an expert in the Old Testament law. So this would be someone who's an expert in the Torah, and the Tanakh, and the Old Testament. And he's coming to test Jesus. You can see that there. He came to put him to the test. He wants to know what Jesus is going to say regarding how to inherit eternal life. And Jesus responds, and he says, what is written in the law? And and you love how Jesus always teaches. When someone comes to Christ, he always pushes it back onto them, right? If they're going to ask him a question, he always pushes the question right back onto the person, And so he pushes the question back on the lawyer and he says, come on, lawyer, you're smart. You study the Bible for a living. You know, you're a smart guy. What does the law say about inheriting eternal life? And the lawyer responds by by quoting Deuteronomy and Leviticus. He says, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you should love your neighbor as yourself. So I just want you to see this. This is Deuteronomy 6.5. And this is where the lawyer is quoting from. You shall love the Lord your God. It's a command from God to his people. You should love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Okay, and then he also quotes Leviticus 19.18. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So the lawyer responds to Jesus with two correct answers. And, and I think that's, that, that's to his credit, he is, he is, you know, responding well. In verse 28, Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. So Jesus says, okay, good answer, do it. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbors yourself. Go do it, go live it out. And so it's a good answer. Go live it out, lawyer. But verse 29, the lawyer gets a little uncomfortable. He gets a bit uncomfortable with Jesus. And he says, desiring to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Right? So he had the right answer book-wise in his mind, but he doesn't like how Jesus left it. Jesus said, yeah, go live it out. Have a good day. And the lawyer's like, no, I, 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 I want to justify my position here. I want to know that I'm good with God and I'm going to heaven when I die. So therefore I'm going to press in because you're making me feel uncomfortable. And he says, I want to justify myself and make sure I'm good to go. Who is my neighbor? Come on, Jesus. Who's my neighbor? You tell me who my neighbor is. And so, um, there's probably several possibilities of who he was thinking about. He was probably thinking about my fellow Jews. Is that who I'm supposed to love? Just like the people that run with me, like all the healthy male educated Jewish people that I hang out with, plus their families? Is that my neighbor, right? Am I just supposed to love those people that I kind of run with? Uh, maybe Lord, maybe its I like my neighborhood, I like my school district, I like where my kids are at. Like, I'm just supposed to love them, right? Like, just them. He's looking for parameters. He's looking for like, okay, who is this parameter of neighbor? And Jesus responds with a story, a parable. And uh, Jesus is a master at this, and he tells the story of the Good Samaritan. So look with me in verse 30. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side, and so likewise, a Levite. And when he came to the place where he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So, so um, this man is traveling down the road, and he's half dead. This guy is half dead. He's probably pleading for help or, or reaching out. Maybe he's even too weak to ask for help. But he, in the midst of that, he got jumped by robbers like he didn't invite this crisis into his life. He was just trying to get from point A to point B, and all of a sudden, he gets taken over. He gets beaten. He gets stripped of his clothes. He gets all the the stuff that he owns taken from him, and he's hanging there on the side of a road, half dead. That's a bad day. Can I get an amen? That's a bad day. But luckily, a priest and a Levite walk by, right? Praise God, a priest and a Levite, the most religious and spiritual men in their community walk by. Surely this is good news. Unless it's not, unless it's bad news. Because they see him and both the priest and the Levite walk by on the other side of the road. They keep their distance from the guy who is half dead, beaten, and in need. Now, this is weird, right? It's sad. Because the priest is a spiritual man. He's the one who prays for the community of God. He's the one who shares the word of God with the community of God. He's a leader of God, for God. Like, he's, he's a guy who's supposed to be really tuned in to people, where they're at. And uh, what he is petrified by, the priest, he walks by because he's concerned about the letter of the law, right? The letter of the law means I don't get my clothes dirty by helping out a half-dead guy. Well, what's that all about? Well, there is a Old Testament command for priests to not touch dead bodies. Priests are commanded in the Old Testament that they are not to defile themselves by touching a dead body or a half-dead body in this case. And so in the midst of that, Unless it's, unless it's family, you're moving on. So the, the priest comes by and says, is that a family member? No, that's not a family member. Will I defile myself according to the law? I will. I'm going right on by. Okay, and then the Levite Levites are just wannabe priests, by the way. They're, they're the guys that want to be a priest. They walk by and whatever the priest does, that's what they're going to do. So they walk by on the other side. So the most religious guys walk right by the need. And here's the, here's the sad part of where we are. All right, for the priests and the Levite, obedience to the law put them in disobedience to God's command to love neighbor. Isn't this interesting? They thought, hey, well, the only way to please God is to do it according to the letter of the law. And the letter of the law says, I should please God by walking by this guy. You see how they're, they're kind of messed up? They're denying one command, the more important command, to do the lesser command. They're saying that the law of God tells me to do this, so therefore I'm going to obey the law of God, but then I'm going to be in disobedience to the greater law of God if I obey the, the lesser law. So this is where the priest and Levite, they were saying, love for Torah, love for the Old Testament is love for God. What Jesus is saying is that if you genuinely love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you will love other people in need. So Jesus is is laying it down and saying that the priest and the Levite screwed up. Now, here's the question for you. Have you ever been a priest or a Levite? Everybody should do this. Have you ever been in a position where you have proclaimed to love God and that you, you, you let need pass by you? Like there's an obvious need in front of you and you pass by it. And you claim to love God. Have you ever been a priest or a Levite? All God's people should say amen because we're broken sinners. Of course we've been in this position. But let's continue the story. So then verse 33, a Samaritan came to where he was and when he saw him, he had compassion And he went to him and he bound up his wounds and he poured oil and wine on him and he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn to take care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Now, he felt compassion, verse 33. The Samaritan comes by, he feels compassion and we talked about this word compassion a couple weeks ago in our sermon. It, it, it's, it's an idea of your gut. Like he, you feel it in your gut. You see some, somebody in need or a, a need and you feel it in your gut that you need to take care of that need or help be a part of taking care of that need. So the Samaritan, he feels this compassion, right? He feels this compassion for this man and, and a conviction comes inside of him to say, I got to go help that person. And he goes and he helps this man who's half dead. And you know what he didn't try to do? He didn't try to read into it. Well, why is he here? Does he have a job? What, what, what did he do that this happened to him? Is he looking for a handout from me? The Samaritan didn't read into the, the situation. He felt a compassion for the man and he went and helped that man. Um, he got close. He took care of his physical needs. He got really close. Now, this is this scene is not COVID approved. Can I get an amen? This is not approved according to the six-foot distancing rule. This man went in. There was no no medical staff around him. He he probably got some of the dude's blood on himself. He went in, he got close, he got intimate to help this man out. And and I would say this isn't this always how compassion ministry goes? Compassion ministry is time, money, and getting close. If you're going to show compassion to somebody like the Samaritan, the Samaritan gave his time. I'm sure this little jettison to the side of the road was costly to this guy's schedule. I'm sure he had other places to be, and he had meetings that he had to get to, and he had family obligations that he had to get to. I'm sure this was costly to his schedule. I'm sure it was also costly to his pocketbook. right? I'm sure this costs some money. Like We know that it cost at least two days worth of labor because he gave that to the hotel manager. And, and ultimately, this Samaritan was doing mercy ministry. And whenever mercy ministry happens, church, it costs you time, it costs you money, and it costs you getting close. So church, just evaluate how you're doing this morning. How are you doing with your time and your money and getting close to people in need? How would you evaluate your schedule this week? How would you evaluate the, the budget? Is there any budgeted money to help meet needs of people that you see? And how about getting close to people in this age of COVID? Evaluate where you're at. But what about, who is this guy? Who who is a Samaritan and what do they do? Samaritans were half breeds. They were half Jewish, half outsider, half Gentile. And in the Old Testament, Samaritans became famous for intermarrying with other nations And true Jews would look at Samaritans and they would say, those are compromised people. They cannot be close to God. They are too compromised to be close to God in any way. This Samaritan was gracious. He was loving. He was kind to this person in need. And this would be unthinkable to the lawyer who is listening to Jesus tell this story. Unthinkable that a Samaritan would be in this case. So I thought of several modern equivalents for you guys just to chew on this morning. Let's say a Democrat is robbed and beaten, and left for 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 you know half beaten, half dead on the side of the road. Joe Biden walks by. Surely our Lord and Savior Joe Biden would stop, right? Joe Biden walks right on by. So does Kamala Harris. They both walk by. But a a white gun toting male with a MAGA hat on, and no mask comes over with his chewing tobacco and his Wrangler jeans and a copy of his 1776 project, and he helps out that Democrat. That blows your mind, right, in modern America? How about this one? A Republican is robbed and beaten and left half-dead on the side of the road. Donald Trump passes by, as does Mike Pence. But an ethnic-skinned, Starbucks-toting, transgender person comes over with double masks, amen, holding their copy of the 1619 Project and helps that Republican. What about this one for an Iowa equivalent? An Iowan is robbed and beaten and left half dead on the side of a road. Governor Kim Reynolds passes by, as do his Iowa nice neighbors. That's hard to fathom, right? But an ethnic Muslim transgender person who is also an illegal alien from Mexico comes and helps out that Iowan. You see, you catch the flavor of this story? It's the most unexpected person that comes and does mercy and kindness and grace. And the people that should do it should be giving kindness and mercy they pass by. And so this story is shocking to our systems in that it, it, it's not the person you would think of. The Samaritan is the most unlikely person to come and help. So in verse 36, Jesus puts the question to the, to the man, He's the lawyer. He says, which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor for the man who fell among robbers? And he said, well, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you too go and do likewise. Jesus finishes the story with a question to the lawyer. And he said, which one of these three helped out? Priest, Levite, or Samaritan? And basically the lawyer said, well, I guess it's just the person who showed mercy. And Jesus said, yep, you should go do likewise. Jesus' application is that if you really love God, you'll go do this. If you really love the Lord, you're going to go do this and, and just do likewise as you heard in the story. Um, just the other day, we were able to deliver 40 boxes of food on the south side um, to families in need. Brandon Hebron led the charge, Rich Lemke, Andy Biddle, Chris Harrington, Chelsea Smith, myself, and others. We went and delivered boxes to people who are in need. Boxes of food. And I came up to one duplex on the south side, pretty rough looking building, and there was a lady out front. And she was smoking a long drag on a cigarette, right? She had a hard face. And I'm like, I don't know how this is going to go necessarily. I took my box up. What do you want? And I said, I'm just here, I'm with the church, and uh, we just want to give you a box of food. Uh, Hopefully, it can be a blessing to you on some level. She's like, Are you serious? I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty serious, yeah. (laughs) And she said, really? Yep, really, ma'am. I I just want to bless you guys. Her face went from hard to soft. And this woman, smoking her cigarette, started crying. And she started crying, and she said, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I said, yeah, what... (laughs) I I love the Lord. I love God. Yes, you should cry out to him. It's a good thing. And she said, you have no idea. You have no idea. You have no idea. And I said, ma'am, I don't have any idea. You're right. But praise God. Do you have kids at home? She's like, I have three kids. And I walked away blessed, right? Because why? Because doing mercy does that to you. I'm not special. I'm just a person trying to live out Jesus' commands, right? Right. And I do it very imperfectly. But that moment showed me that there's a mimicking of of the good Samaritan here that Jesus commands us towards. So therefore, as we go and as we close up, we're going to do communion this morning. What an awesome morning for communion. I don't want you to feel guilty. Like, I'm not doing enough. I need to be more Samaritan-like. I need to just live my life, take a vow to feed the poor for the rest of my life. Here's what I'm saying. The point of the Good Samaritan story is not that you and I would go out and try to earn our righteousness. Try to be the Good Samaritan to every person we see. It's good to meet needs when they're in front of you. Amen. But the point of the Good Samaritan story is not that you would earn your own righteousness this morning by just going out and be better, do better, be a good person, do better things. The greatest reality of this sermon is that Jesus is the greater good Samaritan. Okay, and here's what I want you to think about as we go to communion. We were on the road, right? We were on the road robbed and beaten. We were laying there half, not half dead, fully dead in our sins and our transgressions. We are the one sitting on the side of the road. That's us. That's the Good Samaritan. We're sitting there on the side of the road, living living in our sin, broken and needing help. And you know what religion does? Religion passes us by, not once but twice. Religion can't save you. Religion can't help you. Religion wants to keep their clean, their their cleanness. They're they're not concerned about you, but Jesus. Man, he's different. Jesus cares. Jesus is the greater good Samaritan that comes to you and me. And he wipes up our wounds. And he's not afraid to get close. And he's not afraid to save us. And he's not afraid to put us on a donkey and take us to a hotel. And he's not afraid at his own cost of his time and ultimately his blood on the cross. Jesus is not afraid of us. And he comes and he saves the worst sinner that calls out to him for help. The good Samaritan is about Jesus being the greater good Samaritan for us. Praise God. And if you know that forgiveness this morning, blessed are you if you treasure that in your heart and live that out for other people who are in need. Because when we feed the poor and when we help somebody in their driveway trying to get their car in the driveway, or God willing, if I would have done that, right? The glory doesn't go to us. The glory goes to Jesus who saved us and called us and gave us a new heart to even have an impulse to do that. So as we go to communion, here's what I want you guys to think about. Um, Spurgeon said this. He said, I have a great need for Christ. Amen. I think all of us would admit that this morning. And the second part is the good news. And I have a great Christ for my need. So as we go to communion, it's your time as a believer to just remember the blood that Jesus shed for you, the perfect life that he lived for you. The elements will be passed around. If you're a Christian, we invite you to participate in the communion elements. If you don't know Christ, you can just let those pass by and consider. Maybe this morning might be the morning you get saved. But as we go to communion, let's look to Christ and by his grace be humble, servant-hearted responders to this greater Good Samaritan. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time and the opportunity that we have now to go to communion. God, what a privilege and honor it is to read through this Good Samaritan passage. God, you are the greater Good Samaritan, Jesus, that found us on the road and saved our souls and brought us forgiveness and a new change and a new life and a new hope. God, you saved us so that we might pour out our lives in humble servant, hearted service to other people. So God, as we, as we come to the communion table, God, help us to just meditate upon your perfect life. Help us to meditate upon your sacrificial death on the cross. And Lord, may we respond in faith, believing that you have saved us. God, move in our midst. Holy Spirit, come and do a work inside of each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.